the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan, and I'm joined today by Ollie and Kieran. You alright, guys? Hello. Today we are living the football manager dream with a £250 million war chest at our disposal. Each of us will pick three players who we think will push our teams to glory. Let's get into it. Okay, so to explain it a bit further, it was my idea, so I'll do it. Um, We each have £250 million to sign for our our designated team. So mine's Matt and you, Kieran's Spurs, and then don't want to talk about Nathan's of Liverpool. Um, Now, £250 million, we can sign anyone but they have to kind of be realistic, which to be fair, for the majority of our teams could be any player because they are all big clubs. Sorry, uh, Kieran, with your spurs. Um, okay, so £250 million, we're going off transfer market um, prices, so they may not be completely realistic or, you know, in terms of real life, but we're going off them just so you have a basis of what we're going off. So I'll kick it off with Manchester United. My first signing... Obviously, I think it's very obvious in terms of very hot property at the moment. And it is striker. Anyone want to guess the person? Hmm. Hartley. You're not going to get Kane, are you? No, no, not Kane. No. Oh, yeah. Ha- um, it's Harland. It's Harland. It's there you go. It's, uh, everybody wants him. And for obvious reasons, he is a quality, quality striker. He is um, £110 million, so out of my 250 is a big, big chunk of it. But I think money well spent. And I think, if I'm uh, rightly saying this, uh, Dortmund are looking for around £80-90 million in real life, I think, due to their sort of financial difficulty. So he would be a bit cheaper in real life. So, But yeah, I think it'll be excellent. I think United need a striker more so than they do need a right wing in terms of Sancho, um, his current teammate. So I think that he's would fit it because I think if you've got him up front, you'll have you know, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, Daniel James, whatever, out wide. And then you can have like the likes of Cavani and then Greenwood can also go up front if need be. So, I mean, I feel like we need that sort of position more so than we do a right wing, especially with uh, Amadiallo now coming in and hopefully it'll be something good as well. So yeah, £110 million. Haaland, um, I think personally he's got the pace, he's got the strength to fit Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics and he's worked with him before. Um, so that always helps because Kane I was thinking about and yeah, okay, he's a great finisher and Man United would love to have him I'd love to have him. But I think Haaland's got the extra pace which kind of, you know, works with the sort of counter-attack and football style that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants to, you know, play. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I Harlan. Mean, oh, sorry, that's, that's, that's the thing, though, right? Is I don't think I have any like qualms with it at all in terms of finance, because realistically, it could happen. It's likely it'll come to the Premier League, and it's exactly what you'd need—the exact kind of play star. So I don't really, I can't really argue with that. But I'd be terrified if he came to the Premier League and played for United. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think he improves any team he turns up to. I think he went Real Madrid, Barcelona, or wherever. I think Harlan's going to make it even better. Maybe the one thing he's a massive Leeds fan. There's a bit of a rivalry <laughs> there. I'm not sure if that that would work. But aside from that, yeah, of course, I think he benefits any side. I I was tempted. He's not on my Liverpool one, but I was very tempted to, to put him in because I mean, he's a fantastic goal scorer. One of the main reasons why I went with him as well is because I haven't seen him play that much. I won't lie to you, but I don't think you need to, he's a sort of player you don't need to really see play much at all to know the quality of striker that he is. But 
looking at stats and a lot of positioning sense of our normal strikers, they're often not in the box. We need someone that's going to be sort of in that goal-scoring area to score. Martial wants to be it. He says he wants to be our number one, you know, sort of centre-forward striker, but he's never in the box. I feel like signing Haaland, signing a striker with that sort of player, with the positional sense, he will be there when we need to get across in. We can whip a ball in and rely on him being there, which currently we lack that sort of confidence in knowing that we've got someone in that box to put... Um, the ball in the back of the net. So he is my number one. Remember, £110 million. Pounds, either, what, 140 My maths isn't great, but that's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, maths left. So, next one. The next position that everyone would have said. I very nearly didn't do it. I did nearly do a right wing as well. But I think it's we have to have this position. It's a centre-back. I don't think anyone could uh, argue with needing a centre-back. And it's a player that's been linked with, basically, I think, every top six Premier League uh, team. Last season, but more so the season for that, it is um, Koulibaly. Now, I've gone with him because over the likes of, I think it's Jules Koundé or whatever, um, the youngster, um, I've gone with Koulibaly over him because I think that he's more than what we need. In terms of Koundé, he's got the pace, he's small and he's young and he's the sort of player that can come into it and, you know, more for the future. But I think we need someone now, someone that can make that instant impact. And I'm not saying Koundé wouldn't, but Koulibaly, I think, will have the Van Dyke sort of effect. He's tall, he commands his spot in the team, he's very, uh, you know, physical, and he actually has got a bit of pace, if I'm right in saying so. So, you know, you kind of get the whole package. He is 29, he does cost £60 million, so it's not the cheapest of deals. Same price as Koundé, but like I said, I feel like, I personally think our best partnership currently is Bailly and Lindelof. I don't think Maguire fits into it. I think Maguire is in it because he's the captain and he costs a lot of money. So I would love to see the pairing of Koulibaly and Eric Bailly at the back. Personally, I think Bailly's the sort of Koundé player with the pace. And I think Koulibaly would add that sort of, you know, commanding presence in your centre of defence, which United are absolutely begging for. So for £60 million, that's who I've gone for for my second signing. Yeah, that, he's an experienced defender, isn't he? He's, he's 29 years old, so it's not particularly... You could get maybe Upamakana or, or, or Kunde, as you mentioned. But I think, I mean, again, it's it's not one you can really have that many qualms if it's a world-class centre-half that United do need. I do think him next to even Lindelof would probably bring bring that bit more out of Lindelof than what Maguire does. And am I right in saying Lindelof's the youngest out of those three, out of the three that buy Maguire Lindelof? I'm not I'm sure. I would say Bailly, but I have I'm, no idea. I don't. I can't go off. I don't know the ages of them. But I just feel. I feel like Lindelof's the youngest, so I'm going to say. It. Um, but I think it, that could really help, and, and it would have that kind of calming effect that maybe United have lacked a little bit at centre back at present. I don't know personally. More because uh, Koulibaly strikes me as a similar kind of centre back to Bailly: quick, dominant, physical in the air, but then also is prone to a rash kind of mistake. You know, and, and I feel like having two of those could open you up to, to more mistakes at the back. So I think it would actually be better if he partnered one of Lindelof or Maguire. You know, I actually think Maguire would be better over Lindelof, even though, you know, you could argue in terms of physicality and dominance in the air, they're quite similar. But my God, Maguire looks like a completely different centre-back when he's got someone with a bit, with a bit of pace next to him. Um, you've, we've seen that with Bailly, and I think that Koulibaly would is a similar player to buy um, in terms of the pace and the, and the strength that he has, you know, in terms of marking, in terms of aerial ability and things like that. So I think Koulibaly and Maguire would thrive next to each other. I mean, no one can argue with Koulibaly's, you know, sort of 
talent. He's been linked with every single top six Premier League team in the last two years, I think. And obviously, Maguire is a good centre-back. I'm not denying that, but he does have his off moments. But I, I just really like Bailly. I know he's injury-prone all the time. He's never going to make a full Premier League season. He's a bit like a Kane that he's always destined to have that sort of injury. Um, more so, though, than Kane. He's always injured by the seams of it seems a bit but I don't know I just feel like that pairing would be really good and I really want to see that happen but in terms of Koulibaly over Koundé what are you guys thinking of that who would you think United would benefit for I just personally think we need the more mature player with the you know more experience right now rather than getting in another youth player and another youngster I think either would thrive you know both Koundé and Koulibaly I think they both do well you know, obviously they're very different centre-backs in two different leagues. But you look at the centre-backs you already have at the moment, you know, I'd, I'd struggle to probably know which which of those two would benefit more by playing next to one of Lindelof, Maguire or by, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think you have to see in action to kind of understand how it would work. Maguire is always going to work better next to someone pacey. And I think arguably maybe Kunde next to Maguire um, would be a slightly more stronger because with that, they're two very different centre-backs. You know, you could have a, a question of with Maguire and Koulibaly, even though I said that they would do well, they almost counteract each other and they would both try and go for those dominant headers as opposed to if you lose the second ball, you've got that quick centre-back who's sort of waiting back and can carry the run with the with the forward. But in in that regard, next to Maguire, who I think... Solskjaer is too afraid to drop. I think Koundé would probably do better. Yeah, I just think... It's a tough one. That's right. I just think that, that Koulibaly was, is just more suited to the sort of Premier League and physicality of it, personally. I just think mm. that in a mo- my mo- idea of a modern-day Premier League sort of defender is the likes of Van Dijk. It's that height and that thing. And I know not all of United's defenders currently are that huge player, but I feel like in terms of youth, we've got Tunzebi coming through as well. So, I mean, like I just don't think right now Koundé is the right player for United. I wouldn't argue if they got him, but I would pick Koulibaly over it. What were you going to say, Nathan? I was just... Uh, I was looking at... Um... You sort of say about mature centre back, but them like having the more mature centre back. But you look at the guy who transformed Man City season, only 23, Ruben Diaz. You know, he's made John Stones into this fantastic player. I'm sure it's not just him. John Stones himself has played very well and stuff with Guardiola. But I don't, I don't know. It's a really weird. I don't know who'd be better out of Kunde and Koulibaly because, I mean, they're both just as unproven Premier League as each other. Um, and it, it's kind of what, what Kieran said about maybe a bit of rashness. I think you're going to get that from both with, with the age, but. For me, I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll reveal it now. I've got Kunde on my list as someone I'd want Liverpool to bring in. So, I mean, I, I think if everyone rates him, he's really good. But Koulibaly as well. So, I, for me, probably Kunde. But, I mean, if you're putting Koulibaly in, it's a good problem to have. OK, so my final one. Um, I've got £80 million left to spend, I think. And I only spend £60 million of that. It's a player that hasn't really been linked with United, I don't think, ever. Um, well, maybe he was at one point um, when he was at his in his Leicester days, but um, he isn't at the moment. And it's Kante in centre midfield for sixty million pounds. Now, I picked this purely because I feel like it's basically going to have the effect of two signings. You see how well Pogba and Kante do on the international stage. Kante unlocks Pogba in the middle of the park. And I think if Pogba stays, that is, that it could be an absolutely immense midfield partnership with Pogba, Kante and Bruno Fernandes. I love McTominay and he would definitely be in my sort of team on the uh, on the bench and stuff like that. But I just would love to see Kante help, you know, Pogba perform like he does on the international stage. And for that reason, £60 million 
Kante is in my uh, three players that I want to see United buy uh, if their £250 million is spent. I just think it would be amazing. I haven't got anything to say apart from it's amazing because you've seen how well that partnership works for France. And I'm just picturing that with Bruno Fernandes in that, you know, all the players kind of have their own abilities. And I think right now we're missing that sort of play. That's why we can't play Donny van der Beek because he isn't that sort of, you know, ball-winning midfielder. Whereas Kante is, and Kante's work rate also is exceptional along with Bruno. So I think it'll just be such a formidable midfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I mean, if that's your midfield, you probably will go on to win a league with, with Kante in there. He kind of offers everything that Fernandes and Pogba don't in, in that in that trio. And, and again, there's not too much to say about that. He, he's a very good player. He'd make a team very good when he plays them. I think we saw it against Man United on Sunday that he played pretty well in that game. Did a good job nullifying some of the threats. I mean, Chelsea have been defended well on the whole, but he is a part of that. And he's got proven Premier League titles. He, he went to, obviously, he did the thing with Leicester, and then he went to Chelsea and they won a League Nine straight away. So, yeah, a great, great pick, great, great signing. That would be. Yeah, I, I think having Kante behind Pogba, as you see for France, it, it, he's got someone behind him who he trusts um, to, to play that role. You know, you look at Matic, bags of experience, but if he gets caught on the counter, like, He's done. Whereas Kante is incredibly quick, um, and he's he's a. What I found with Kante is he's very good at harassing players without giving away fouls, which I think is very very rare these days. You see your standard defensive midfielders, you know they close down someone and give away a foul, and then eventually probably get booked. Whereas Kante, in terms of his discipline record, is remarkable for the position he plays. Um, and I think he he would balance that midfield really well, um, and it could allow for Van der Beek to to play more. Um, and I, I just think having one of or both of McTominay and Fred, it seems like they the, the pair if they're both fit in a big game, they they will never not play with each other. Um, and you know, having Kante basically being both of those players and both what they do it allows you to open up room for another player who can come in and have more of a forward impact. And, you know, I think having Kante would definitely help your big six hoodoo of just not wanting to go and attack teams. Um, so that would be absolutely terrifying. The only possible thing you could say was, I think in more recent months, he's picking up a fair few, like, niggling injuries. Um, and if he were to get injured, I think that would be, like, a huge loss as it would change kind of how... United would set up their midfield and it might be a bit of a challenge to have him not in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, if he does get injuries and he has been injured for quite a, a while recently, then it would be a massive knock. But I mean, just imagine that trio, your starting trio, Bruno, Pogba and Kante, and then you've got Donny van der Beek, Fred and McTominay as your backup midfield. Like, I'm not going to argue with that. That would be some amazing squad depth. And then with uh, Haaland up top and Koulibaly in the back in the defence, it just sounds like a team that could definitely win the Premier League. So I'd absolutely love that to happen. So that's mine. £230 million. Haaland, Kante and Koulibaly. Okay, so for my £250 million war chest um, for Spurs, uh, I'm going to do what Jose Mourinho, Daniel Levy, whoever at the top of the club, should have done either in the summer or in January. Uh, and that's buy some defenders um, because we desperately, desperately need some defenders. Um, so this is this is very defensive focused uh, for me, basically because our attack, in my opinion, uh, is terrifying. Um, and I don't think there's any major improvements, maybe depth, but in terms of splashing the cash, 
uh, that needs to be done on the defence. Um, but to start with, uh, I'm actually going to go for a goalkeeper because Hugo Lloris is a fantastic servant to the club and I'll be forever thankful for everything he's done. He's starting to become a bit older now um, and I know keepers can probably go a bit longer than, than outfield players, but still. And mistakes are creeping in, sadly. That's just kind of how it is. Um, obviously, not having Lloris, it leaves a big hole. He's been your first team keeper for seven, eight years now. Um, so I wanted someone with experience, but also with a bit of youth to them. Um, so for my first signing, I've gone for Gianluigi Donnarumma from AC Milan. I just think that he'd be perfect. Um, losing Lloris, you'd lose that experience. Um, with Donnarumma though, he's already made 235 first team appearances for AC Milan and he's 22. Um, so he has got plenty, plenty, plenty of years left in him. He's been the captain at times for Milan this season as well, so he's got that experience with leadership and galvanising teams. Um, and he's only around 50, 55 million. I think he's actually um, so I just think he's out of contract at the end of the season. Exactly, yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um, so pick him up on a freak now. Uh, well, you, n you never know with these things, um, but he would be a perfect replacement, in, in my opinion. 22 caps for Italy as well. Plenty, got a decade of a career left in him um, and would really make a mark, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. He's a great... Um, you, you forget how young he is because he feels like he's been on the scene for years. Um, I can remember when he first broke on and he was like, what was he, 17, 18, when he first started to get first appearances? I mean, yeah, he's a quality player and he kind of goes, you kind of forget about him now because as being a young, like I said, because he has played so many games and... I'm pretty sure I saw in the news the other day that Man United were interested in him. And I don't know why. You have the hair, you have Dean Henderson. Yeah, OK, it'll be a great signing. But I mean, I don't want to lose Dean Henderson. Um, but yeah, for Spurs, yeah, I, there's no quarrels with that. Like you were saying about my pay, uh, players at United. You can't argue that he's a quality goalkeeper and he's only going to make whatever team stronger, especially if you get him on a free now. I mean, he's kind of got Lloris to sort of guide him and introduce him into the Premier League as well. So that sort of experience for the first year of his career there would be, would be amazing. Yeah, you forget how young he is. It's, it's you know crazy how he's had he's had a career that most goalkeepers would, would dream of if you're sat on 235 appearances for your top top tier Serie A side. You, you, most keepers would die for that, you know. So it's a it's a fantastic. He's had a fantastic career, and, and yeah, again, there's nothing there's nothing that can be said wrong about that signing. For any time I've seen him, he's good. He's a very good goalkeeper and quite a ball. And then again, that just that experience, that league experience, which you don't often get when you're signed for 22 year old, just is absolutely vital. And you mentioned, Ollie about having Lloris for that year of experience. You know, Lloris had the exact same thing happen to him. When he came into the club, Brad Friedel was still knocking about. Um, and for the first year of Lloris's career, he wasn't actually the first choice. You know, Friedel remained that and kind of guided him in knowing that next season would be his time. And I think we'd probably see something similar with Lloris and Donnarumma. I think it could be a really good relationship to begin with. And it allows him time to adapt to the country and not be thrusted straight in so it's more of a a long-term replacement as opposed to immediate like you need to go in goal now because there's, there's no doubt Lloris is probably still top 10 in the league possibly top 25 in the world he's still a very good keeper but I think you want to get ahead of it so you can allow yourself time to bring that keeper um, so in terms of who I'd also bring in uh, this person will be in front of him um, and, I, and I thought I really did think we'd solved this problem in the summer by bringing in Matt Doherty. Unfortunately, it hasn't quite worked out 
well for him. Um, and right backs are a difficult one when it comes to in terms of money and things like that. So this one's a bit of an outside the box one, but in terms of a right back that I think would mostly benefit Spurs, I think this person is probably about as good as you get in terms of what I want to happen the other side. Um, so obviously last season, when we brought in Sergio Reguilon, everyone was expecting him and Doherty to bomb down the flanks, but it just hasn't worked. It, it, for whatever reason, it just hasn't. It leaves the defence far too exposed. Looked like with Doherty coming in, Davies would then form a back three and we would work like that in possession, similar to what City do. I want to do that, but I want to swap it. So I want Regulon to be that full back that bombs forward and I want a right back to come in and form a back three. And for that, you need quite a defensive fullback. Um, so I've gone for Benjamin Pavard from Bayern Munich. Uh, 31.5 million, so quite cheap. Um, and I just think from what I've seen him do, yes, he does like to get forward, but he's also very comfortable in a back three and can play as a centre-back and has. Um, so this was more about, similar to actually what Ollie's does with releasing Pogba, this is more about giving Regulon that licence to roam forward because he's a fantastic fullback going forward and his crossing and long-range passing is is really, really excellent. So I think by bringing him in, it allows you to have that defensive cover while also he can get forward. Um, and, and I think Aurier is sometimes quite rash, where I think Pavard is quite cool and collected. He's 24 years old, he's already won a World Cup. Um, you know, I, I think it would be perfect more for Regulon, allowing us to attack in a sort of dynamic way, while also him being a threat from set pieces as well, because he, he's not a small fullback. Yeah, that's a great shout. Um, Pavard is um, a very young, still quite young, isn't he? 22, 23. 24, yeah. 24, he came, he came in, I think, as a centre-back at Stuttgart. So he's got that defensive, you know, experience playing as in that back, in a back two where, where he's under more pressure than in a back three. And then he's come in and really flourished as a right-back for Bayern and, and for France. I mean, we all remember that goal he scored against, I think it was Argentina. But it's just, I mean, he's just got a lot of technical ability and probably would perfectly fit the Premier League in terms of physicality and his ability on the ball. That's something that, that has definitely shine from him whenever I've seen him play. So yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a really good shout for the top. I won't I haven't seen him play very often, but when I have seen him play, he's been quite, you know, consistent and quite good. Um and it's definitely the sort of I've noticed something about your signings. It's definitely the sort of money that Tottenham would be willing to spend. Like Tottenham aren't the team, they're not like a Man City, they're not like a Man United to go and spend what, £110 million pounds on Haaland. So £30 million pounds and obviously a free in terms of um, Donald Luma would be, is definitely the sort of signs that I can see Tottenham doing. Whether or not he's going to be for sale and they'd actually want to sell him is a completely different question. But yeah, I definitely think he fits the sort of tactical sort of frame that you're trying to get at. And yeah, I mean, it's... It's strange for me to think that Doherty isn't working because I can remember when he first joined that you were saying how like he was suiting really well and he was performing quite well in his first couple of games. So it's just gone really downhill really quickly for him, I just want to say as well. Like out of nowhere, he was starting quite well. He had a positive start, didn't he? I could be wrong when I'm saying this, but I'm pretty sure I can remember you saying. Yeah, well, Re Regulon came in and it was his first game against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, which meant there was three league games where it was... Doherty on one side and Davies on the other. So we had the reverse of that, where Davies would form like the back three and be the defensive fullback, and it would give Doherty the license to move forward, which was kind of what we wanted as someone who was used to playing as a as a wing back. You know, he was kind of still in that role just as a fullback. And then obviously Regulon came in, and 
it was always going to be quite difficult to have both of them attack. As good as Hoiberg is, he can't cover both channels. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So you kind of have to sacrifice one of those players. Um, and defensively, Doherty just isn't really um, all that, unfortunately. And Aurier, to be fair to him, has really stepped up his game since his arrival. So it's, it's kind of left Mourinho no choice, I think, which is why I wanted to bring in a defensive left-back so we wouldn't have that problem. Obviously, if Real Madrid get use the buyback clause on regular, we do then still have that problem as we'd have two defensive fullbacks. But it, it might allow Doherty then to, to be that fullback that roams forward. But in terms of money, as you say, I do think it's actually quite realistic. I don't think it will happen, but that's the beauty of the war chest anyway. Um, and then finally, next to him, uh, I've gone for a national teammate of his um, in centre-back. As we can see from the centre-back pairings that Spurs have used this this uh, this season, nearly coming close to Liverpool, but not quite. Haven't had, haven't had as many injuries, just bad defenders. Um, I have gone for someone who Oli also went for in Kalidou Koulibaly. Um, I just think that he would absolutely galvanise the back line. The Diaz, the Van Dijk effect. That's just, that's just the kind of player and presence he is, I think. Um, it would sort out any sort of mistakes or anything like that, in my opinion, in, in the back line. Um, and I think he would thrive next to, to a lot of players. I think he would do next to Alvaro um, because Alvaro getting on a bit now, hasn't quite had the pace that he's got. He's still a very organised and good centre-back and I think that will be a perfect person to mould him in. Um, and then a few years later, possibly, if he's still around, I think he's a good person to have alongside Joe Rodon. You've got Koulibaly probably getting a bit older, still has that physical and dominant presence. He can then guide Rodon in, who's shown that he's got that pace and that hunger to learn. Um, and I think over the long term, he would come in firstly as someone who can learn from Alvaro about the Premier League and then he can use that experience that he's had and apply it to Rodon and that's kind of your centre-back pairings sorted for at least the next four or five years. No, I think it'll be a rubbish signing. I don't think he should come to the Premier League. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue with that apart from saying, no, bugger off. Man United want him. Um, like I said everything I said about him saying how he'd be really good for Manchester United and I think the same sort of thing applies, definitely applies to, um, to Tottenham. You know, he's He's a great centre-back and hence why I said I think he should come to Man United. And yeah, Tottenham are in the same sort of situation. They need a bit of strengthening at the back and so why not? But yeah, I'd rather go for someone else, please. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's a really... Again, it, I think Tottenham probably need him more than Man United would in terms of Koulibaly. Especially when you mentioned Joe Rodon, I think that could be really beneficial to him in a similar way as it was for, for Joe Gomez when Van Dijk came. And, and again, I think we've all said world-class centre-back. I can't see anything really going wrong, especially under a manager that prefers defensive football. I think you probably do see the best out of Koulibaly at Spurs. I, I do think it would be a more important to Tottenham to make the Man United, but I can imagine if it was to happen in real life, Man United would definitely be able to outspend for it. Yeah, that's that's the only problem with it. Um, but in terms of who I've bought, I've actually only spent about £110 million, which leaves me with 140 which I'm going to give all of it to Harry Kane so that he stays <laughs> at Spurs for the rest of his career. Um, but no, no, that's who I would spend my my unlimited, well, not unlimited, but the 250 million, which has become 110, uh, 140, sorry, um, in terms of just who I'd buy. And it would be a lot of defenders. 
you go and tell Daniel Levy that you've just spent 110 million pounds and he will cry. <laughs> He'll have an aneurysm, honestly. Um, okay. But you know, I, I think that that the aim is to bring glory. I think those three players can definitely help. So moving on to the last team, we've got my team, Liverpool. I mean, it's been sometimes in some games this season, I've been wanting, you know, 11 new players, but I'm just going to stick with three for now. It's kind of a great win on Sunday. I mean, a win against Sheffield. It's the mighty Sheffield United. It was a win and a clean sheet. <laughs> with Adrian in goal, we kept a clean sheet. He played well. It was a lovely time for all. Um, I'm going to start with someone that, that we've said, um, we've already mentioned it about 60 times already in, in this one. And that's Jules Kunde. I do feel like we need a centre-back, regardless of the, the huge crisis we've had. And now now we've got about seven centre-backs. But I, I still feel like we need a quality centre-half to, to partner back. Like Joe Gomez is very good. But he has at times, especially early this season, late last season, was quite poor and a bit of a, a, a kind of liability. Joel Matip just can't stay fit. As, as much as I rate him, he just can't stay fit. I do think Kaba is a very good defender as well and, and has the potential to be very good. Um, and I'm sure he'll come in at the end of the season alongside, you know, I think Williams and Phillips. I think Phillips will end up playing for, for another Premier League side next season. Like maybe I see him at Burn. And then Williams needs a loan spell. So we do need another centre-back, obviously, with, with Lovren leaving to uh, the end of last season. So Koundé is that man. He's young. He's got a lot of potential. He's great with the ball at his feet. He's a, you know, he's a good tackle. We've already spoke about how good he is. He, you know, he's a very talented player and, and probably the best young centre-back in, in Europe. I was tempted to go with Meccano, but I just haven't been impressed by him when I've seen him play. I was also tempted to go with Damaral from Juve, someone who we've actually been linked with properly. But I've, I've opted with Kunde because I just think he's I think he's a very good footballer and obviously there's a reason why he's linked with, with half with all the elite sides in, in, in the world. I mean, I didn't pick him for Man United um, for two reasons. Number one, I didn't think he was the type of player that we desperately needed. But also, I have—I don't think I've actually ever seen him play. So it's very hard to pick someone based off just seeing some highlight clips, you know, like that, and just off of rumours and stuff like that. So, I mean, I can't say too much on him. I've heard very good things about him and I've seen some clips, but obviously the clips are only going to show the good sides of his game. Um, but yeah, I mean, from what I've seen uh, in the short sort of videos, he does look very good. He's uh, got a good head on him. He seems more mature uh, than he actually is, a couple of years above his age. And, you know, he's got he's very quick. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that Liverpool are looking for a new centre-back when you do have, like you said, like seven of them. Um, but, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So, yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah, I think that would fit the best out of our three teams in terms of Kunde. I think the more pacey more ball play centre back would do wonders next to Van Dyke. Um complement each other really well, balance out really nicely as well. Um I don't have anything other to say really because we've already <laughs> talked about Kunde and Kudavali. Um but we know we know he's quick and Ollie knows from his two minute compilations that he's a good he's a good centre back. Um <laughs> no no he's, he's a good player and I think he'd do really well at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I guess I say, not much to say about Kunde. So we'll move on to the second player. I was tempted. I, I've spent a lot of the budget, but I've gone with a player. But there's one. There's two players left, of course. One is 180 million. The other is 15 million. 15.30 million. Oh, and we'll go I with that one first. You've definitely picked Mbappe. Mbappe's got Well, fine. Let's go, let's go with that one. Then. Let's go with the big money spend. I've gone with Kylian Mbappe because, I mean, he is just so good. And look, <laughs> is it unrealistic? No, he said he wanted to play for Liverpool. He said he wanted to play for Klopp. It, I mean, just because Liverpool can't af won't afford be able to afford it doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. 
I, yeah, I can really see him playing for Liverpool at some point in his career. He's got, a good, I think he's got a good relationship with our sponsors, with Nike. Obviously, I think he, he's, he's, a, I'm hopefully not wrong with that, but he's got a good relationship with our sponsors. And I mean, what much can you say about Mbappe? He's very, very good at football, and he's kind of what we need. We, we lack, not, not you'd sign Mbappe for depth, but we, we lack a, we lack a bit of real quality depth in attacking. In that attacking front three, and, and Firmino's not really been at it this season with, with, with fin- especially with finishing. I mean, even though he does have, I think, yeah, he has a few goals, but he's, he's just not been as good as he, we're, we're kind of expecting from him. So, I mean, Mbappe comes in and he starts, and I think he just rips the Premier League apart. I mean, it's, it's Mbappe, just... Mbappe walks into any, any team in the world. I mean, he is a quality, quality player, and he's still so young, which is just frightening. Uh, I mean, look what he's done, how old he is, and look what we're doing. We're just on a little podcast. So, I mean, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing, really. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's strange to think that Liverpool are looking for more attacking sort of players when you've got the likes of Salah, Firmino and Mane, who were just absolutely incredible last year. Um, but, look, no one's going to be like, oh, no, he's a rubbish signing for your team. He's, he's a great signing for anyone, like I just said. But... Like you just said, £180 million. I know, obviously, we're saying you have £250 million to spend it, so what you're doing isn't wrong with what we're saying. But realistically, will Liverpool spend that much money? I do not know. No, I, I, I couldn't see that happening. I, if, if Mbappe is going to go anywhere, it's probably your Real Madrid, your Barcelona, it's the big, big, big money clubs. Teams. Um, yeah. Um, fan. Liverpool would obviously benefit from Mbappe. Every team would benefit from Mbappe. Um, but I think it, it more has shown this season as to what you said about that depth in attack. Um, you would have something then as if those front three who were so good last season aren't firing. You know, you've got Shakiri, Origi coming in and it just doesn't really have the same ring to it. Um, whereas if you going to start on Mbappe, obviously, uh, which means one of those three misses out, most likely Firmino. Um, and then you've got that different option on the bench. And then if you want to play Mbappe out wide, you've got one of Salah or Mane to go off the bench if you want to rest them. And I think that's probably a large part of why they've struggled so much is just sheer fatigue, because they have to play every game because they're that important to Liverpool. Um, so not only would it help because he would get you 25, 30 goals in a season, it would also help for the fatigue for the surrounding attacking players and they would probably been then been then able to find their best form again. Yeah, I mean I mean Mbappe as I said earlier, Mbappe himself has stated he'd love to play play for Jurgen Klopp and that implies Liverpool. I don't think he's gonna change his allegiance to Germany when Klopp takes that job. But I've, I've, for me that that would if that ever comes available, Liverpool just have to take that risk. And who regard we have to sell someone. If that means selling a Mane for Mina or Salah to, to get that, I think we have to take that risk. Because he's again, he's on the right side of you know thirties, and he's very young still. So I think that'd be an incredible signing. Onto onto a slightly more underwhelming signing, the fifteen million pound player. Um, Liverpool lack depth at fullback, and and this and this has been a problem in my opinion. I mean Trent Alexander and um, Andy Robertson are the best fullbacks in the league and the world. I know Trent's been slightly poor defensively, but in recent weeks he's shown that he's still you know that guy when it comes to being a right back. But you look at Liverpool's backup options, you've got Nico Williams on the right, who is kind of everything Trent can do, just not as good as for an option then. And on the left, you've got James Milner, who's only getting older. I mean, very reliable, but only getting older at left back. And then Simakis, who just hasn't been fit to play. So I, I, yeah, I kind of need someone that can play in both of those roles. So I, I was looking around, I looked at Leicester, James Justin at Leicester, and I think that would be a, a really good signing for us there, and someone that can play both sides and has Premier League experience playing for Leicester. It wouldn't happen, of course, because Leicester are 
probably on par with Liverpool right now this season. And he's doing even better, of course. But I think it would just be a really beneficial signing for Depp and someone that if Robbo or, or Trent got injured, you could just fit Justin in and, and you wouldn't really be missing an awful lot. I feel sorry for Leicester, to be honest, if you do go get him. I mean, that's, they're going to find another left-back, which they've only just got James Dustin. But he has been incredible. I don't think anyone would have thought he would have done it as well as he did, especially you know having to fill in the shoes of Cheerwell, who was such a big player for them um, in the last couple of seasons. But, I mean, yeah, he has been absolutely outstanding this season. No one can deny that. He's just got injured, so you know we won't see much of him uh, from now on for the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I mean... Months. I, months. Yeah, he's out for a very long time. But, I mean... He will be a quality signing, whether or not... I mean, yeah, anyone would want to join Liverpool. Um, but whether or not he'd want to join knowing he wouldn't be the starting player, which he kind of is or definitely is at Leicester, and he will be. Um, and they are also, you know, sort of, you can say, fighting for the top four regularly now. So it'll be a tricky one to pull off. But yeah, it would add amazing squad depth and would be an amazing alternative to either your left-back or right-back position. Well, that's the beauty of the, the transfer market valuation, isn't it? Because in no world whatsoever is James Justin worth 15 million. Um, you know, if you were going to buy him, I think you're looking at 40, 50 comfortably just because of his age. And of course, where's he from? England. Um, that instantly drives the price up. Uh, and he's been absolutely ridiculous this season. Um, like, us, like we said probably about a lot of players, I think he would improve a lot of teams. Um, it's just a question of like, Oli said if he's interested in being that that backup um, after bursting on the scene and doing so well, you'd want him to kind of carry that form on and you you don't want the case of like a a Barkley, say, doing so, so well at Everton starting, gets a big move to Chelsea but doesn't start and now he's trying to find his way back to that kind of path. Um, that's kind of the only worry of it. But, you know, I, you can argue with that. You know, he's probably been one of, one of if not the best, Fullback defender in the Premier League this season. It's a shame that he has got injured, um, and it's a shame that the length and the severity of the injury because that could really define his career. Unfortunately, because an ACL is is one of those things which, if you only have one in your career, it's normally quite lucky. You tend to have that area already damaged, um, and there's a higher chance that you struggle with injuries there. But if he doesn't, and if he does move to Liverpool, um, he would thrive undoubtedly. But you would. You would have to play him, and I, and I think maybe that's another two players in Trent and Robertson who would benefit from a rest. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean when I say that it, it's easy than getting a backup right back and left. I want to get someone that can do both. I mean, you probably do need one of the two to play in terms of Trent and Robertson, just in terms of sheer quality. But Justin would add a whole load of, of not just quality but depth to the side. And as you say, he would not cost 15 million. It cost about. I'll probably even say probably 50, 60 million you're looking at because the English player, young player, still he's only like 23, 24. Could, could be a little bit younger than that. But yeah, he for me, that, that when I saw that valuation, I was like, I have to pick him. I really do. One thing from all of these signings is though, everyone at Premier League is already, you know, called the best league in the world. But we're looking at these and to be fair, they are realistic of Haaland, Mbappe, and we haven't said him, but it could happen, Messi going to Man City. The Premier League could be mesmerising next year. Already incredible, but it could be extraordinary with these players coming to Premier League. It's already a great league, but these are three of the top, what, four players maybe in the world? You know, with Ronaldo chucked in there. So it, imagine if all these people come to the league. I mean, I will be petrified if none of them go to Manchester United. That is the title absolutely gone from them. But, oh my God, imagine. It would just be incredible to see that week in, week out with all those players joining the Premier League. <laughs> City would run away with it though, if they had Messi as well. They're already running away with it at the moment. 
yeah, true, true. It's weird that, that in the Premier League, and Premier League's been the greatest league in the world, but I'm, I swear, like, forever, it's the best players in the world always play in Spain, play in France, play in Italy. You know, we, we get them for a little bit in, in England. Like, we had Ronaldo for, for obviously a long time, and certain players, they always seem to end up in Spain. It's weird. I think that goes to say a lot about the, the depth in the, in the league in terms of quality, whereas the kind of top heavy leagues in, in Spain and Germany and all of those, where they seem to have the best players in the world. We get the top players, but we don't get the top, top players. You've got all the standout, like, individual world-class players in all the other leagues, but we've got the quantity of the, you know, sort of, you know, the top players, not the excellent players. That's why it's the best uh, prim- uh, division in the league. Uh, not in the league, in the, in the world. Best division in the league. Look at me, I'm just, I'm so starstruck by the idea of all these players joining. And also very scared, very scared. Yeah. And that wraps up the One Two Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're now available on all major podcasts and social media platforms at either One Two Football or One Two Football UK. And also make sure to subscribe to our brand new Snapchat at One Two Football UK. We can catch our weekly wrap and much more. And take a look at OneTwoFootball.com for the latest written pieces from our growing list of contributors around the world. We'll be back next week.